My face currently feels like I've been run through by Tom Stewart. Puts it to the top of the square. Oh, beautiful little fist in there by Dale. Crucial centimetre moments. He definitely has a bit of the, uh, the Belcho spirit. <laughs> um, as I, I have a bit of the Belcho spirit. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. I forgot my intro. I had it and I forgot it. There that's you go. Right. How you doing, Jack? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, I reckon that's as good an intro as we're going to get this week. Oh yeah, I was going to say performing in front of a sold out crowd of zero people. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. they've actually got more tickets to whoever's in here next. <laughs> and they haven't actually shown up to this one. Yeah, they've got tickets to ne- next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> West Coast Shalong was definitely a sellout, that's for sure. Mm. Um... <laughs> Yeah, well, Gather Round happened. It was a success according to all the people who it is financially beneficial for it to be mm. a success. Um, Especially the, the wine places. Did you see that article about uh, Carlton business members spending a, a million dollars in I, wine? I did not. That's uh, amazing. 260 people on average spent $4,000 worth of wine or something. Um, ridiculous stuff. So good for them. I, I write that. I... Uh, I it was something about $48 million to the South Australian economy, which, like, is, like, genuinely cool for them. Um, I, I'm not going to fault that part of it. Like, that's definitely a good thing. But it's also mm. another reason why it should be shared from state to state. Like, the AFL gets an extra round of ticket sales. So it benefits them anyway. Mm-hmm. And South Australia got a practically $50 million boost to their economy. I would like a $50 one million dollar boost to my economy. Like, I'm pretty sure most states would like that. <laughs> um, but, look, it was, it was interesting. It was fun. Adelaide Oval held up, which I was impressed with. Um, uh, that was surprising especially considering the Saints uh, Pies game was in pretty torrential rain at some mm. point so um, credit to Adelaide Oval for being a better surface than apparently most others in the country um, but yeah here we are um, you did the intro technically so I did two intros I did the <laughs> so non-intro and the real intro I'll, I'll kick us off uh, with votes oh My yeah we need those don't we one vote mm-hmm. went to Liam Jones okay um, 15, 13 of his 15 disposals were intercepts, which yeah. I think is pretty nuts. He had seven rebound 50s and seven contested disposals, won nine out of nine of his defensive one-on-ones. Um, I think if they won that game, we'd be hearing more about his performance than we are at the moment. I think it was yeah. kind of brushed over in media. I don't, think, I don't think I saw many mentions of him. Kept Dixon goalless as well, which um, in a game where Port won is also a pretty impressive effort. So um, Liam Jones, first vote of the year. Uh, we, we figured he'd probably be in a couple, uh, especially with the dog's back line, losing Keith for a few yeah. weeks there. Um, I just think it's been a little bit hard to get votes in that back line when everything's kind of been going wrong for them. <laughs> it's been a bit of an odd one with uh, with Josh Bruce back there, but we know Liam Jones is a good player. so Especially um, especially with Josh Bruce shaving his head and growing a beard. That does not help me. It freaks me out from when a I distance, see him. I think they're both Liam Jones. Mm. Uh, Liam Jones' ginger beard does not show up well enough on cameras for me to recognise it compared no. to Josh Bruce's, so... All right. That's me. Your one? Uh, my one vote goes to the Lizard, Nick Blakey. Yep. <laughs> um, 30 disposals, 6 spoils, 7 rebound 50s. I think he had 12 pressure acts as well, 93% efficiency. Um, I think he got 8 coaches' votes as well. Yeah, um, and had... Which seems like a huge game for a one, um, but <laughs> I like the Lizard. I think yeah. he's a weird unit. Um, yeah, great game. I think he was best on ground, maybe behind Papley, mm. um, especially... On six second half goals, it's pretty hard to look past, isn't it? When the game was close at half time, I saw, I think it was Julian Bartel said that he might be the only person in the AFL who runs faster after he's kicked a goal than before it. Papley? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his celebrations are a sight to behold. 
Um, he's insane. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Blakey's game was sensational. Um, 93% both sufficiency as well. I think you mentioned that. I um, did, I did. Spoils 1% is in there too, even though he didn't play a um, like a key back role, mm. which I wasn't, I'm surprised they didn't make him considering their... I think well, they were missing up. back I there. I think they held up well um, uh, considering all of that. So. They really did. It was, it was an important win for them, especially to get such a big win on the board. Because obviously Richmond, well, I mean, they probably thought they were contending leading into this game. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that because the things one and, that one are... Half, so one and a half wins. The things that Damien Hardwick's been saying in the media makes it seem like that they're I mean, trying he, to soft rebuild for a year or two. He did drop. You soft build for a year. Why did you bring in Taranto and Hopper then on because, millions of dollars and traded all your draft picks? Because they're not too old. They don't have a first round draft pick this year. <sighs> I don't know then. They bought one in last year, so they had two. They were meant to have two, and they got rid of both of them. So maybe it's finally time to trade I, someone. I out. did enjoy Dimmer saying that he needed a joint to get through uh, Bucks, Lion, and Lewis. Well, he did. He needed. He would have needed a fucking <laughs> the biggest bowl of all time to get through the Geelong West Coast commentary. Oh my good! I've never heard Dermy and Rashida worst commentary <laughs> in my life. I heard Howie call close and home, uh, close Holmes and Henry all close several times yep. throughout the game. Stanley's head got sat on. He's getting facial reconstruction surgery this week because he had a fractured eye socket. They didn't see it happen. The commentary was also silent at that point, and they didn't notice it until the ball had gone inside West Coast 50 and come back out and gone past Stanley. I don't know. Dermy was doing it, something weird in the box. Oh, he was up to some nonsense, wasn't he? I. It was some of the worst... Co- and to be fair, if you were going to give your worst commentary to any game of the weekend... Probably that one. I literally had to walk away from the game because it was that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, you walked away at the point that it became even and almost more boring because you could tell that neither team was really putting their all into it. Um, but, you know, that was abysmal. <laughs> um, my two votes yeah, was sorry, to sidetrack. Nick Murray, um, who uh, one of our favourite games really didn't trouble the score sheet too much in terms mm. of stats, but I thought he was hugely influential, especially in the second half. Um, he had 12 spoils, won eight of his nine one-on-ones against some pretty formidable opposition um, and had seven rebound 50s while he was at it. So I really liked his game. I mm. wrote about um, pre-season hoping that he'd be a big improvement for them down back because they really needed it. Mm. Um, and I, I hope that was a coming-of-age game for him because, um, yeah, he's, he's the kind of defender I love to watch really dour game but kept some yeah, pretty good forwards to, what, two and two and two goals, I think, Mackay and Kuno kicked, so... Don't even remember. Yeah, good, good goal. Feels like uh, a lifetime ago. <laughs> uh, crazy to me that he didn't get a single coach's vote. Oh, I, I agree. Mm, uh, Duda was, did. That was Murray strange. Didn't call, Murray played better than play Duda. Games, but... um, I guess coaches' votes are weird. They obviously pick stuff that's important to them. Um, we're on two. Is that right? We're on two. I'm giving two votes to Alia Alia. Yep. Um, I feel like he's featuring every week this Special year. Mentioned for me this week. Um, but... Uh, 11 disposals, 11 intercept possessions. That's pretty good. I yeah. like that. Uh, he also had 11 one percenters, and I think nine of them were spoils. Uh, another fantastic final quarter, um, too. Um, he's just... Uh, he never stops trying, and uh, I really enjoy watching him play. And again, he's one that I'll absolutely eat crow on, because when he got traded there, I thought, why the hell are they pursuing him? And it's worked out wonderfully. Obviously, down season last year, we talked about that, but he's been right in it this year, and... Uh, is probably going to feature prominently for the rest of the year if he yeah, keeps this up. Leading the votes coming into this week, so you're giving him two, probably props him up a little bit there mm, too. Mm. Um, my three was to Sam Taylor, okay. um, who I think might have flown under the radar a bit for me this year. Um, mm. He had 16 intercepts from 20 disposals on the weekend, 12 contested, eight marks, six intercepts of those. He won five out of six defensive one-on-ones. That was the first defensive one-on-one he's lost this year. Mm. 
Uh, he's 18 and 1. Um, he's in a game that probably, if GWS consider themselves any sort of a team this year, shouldn't have been as close as it was. Forgetting his 10 spoils in that. Um, yeah, ten, I think he had nine well. pressure acts as well. Um, it was a ripper game. I, yeah. I really like Sam Taylor. Uh, he's a great footballer. Mm. Um, incredible game. But we'll take, talk more about him later. All right, yeah, well, we can. <laughs> uh, my three I'm putting to Jordan Ridley. Um, yep. Not so much just for his stats, but uh, start of that game, uh, Fridge looked like he was about to get off the chain. They moved Ridley to him and he shut him down for the rest Fritch's of the game. second half was pretty much... Yep. silent yep. Um, he, he didn't have his normal score involvements he does Chandler had to pick up the slack with those mm-hmm. um, yeah really played a really good game on a very hard to play on forward yeah and that's that's the most impressive part and why he's ended up in the votes here um, I wanted to uh, fit and spoilers he's not in here I wanted to fit Isaac Quaynor in this week because I feel like he's uh, definitely flown under the radar but Ridley's performance here uh, pushed him out yeah <laughs> uh, I think he only had, I think he had seven marks and seven intercepts, 23 disposals, four spoils, but it was really the, the caliber of opponent he shut down when they looked hot yep. um, that put him there. So that's my three. Um, my four was to Callum Wilkie. Yeah. Um, just, just rolling together an incredible season. He had 24 disposals, 10 of those are intercepts. He had 14 rebound 50s. Fuck. <laughs> which is just an insane number of 50s, seven spoils, 12 defensive half-pressure acts, yeah. 11 marks, six of them were intercepts, and three were contested. He's becoming a... I mean, I, I tweeted about it after that game. I was like, do you start sizing him at this point for his blazer already? Because I feel like he'd have to have a pretty bog average rest of the year. It's, it's crazy to spot. think five rounds in we have a, a key back lock, but I think it's pretty obvious. Um, uh, incredible game again. He's just playing really good football. Yeah, um, I have I would, him in my special mentions this week simply because I thought his uh, these performances were better. But, yeah, I get that. Uh, my four, I'm giving to Nick Murray. We already talked about him. Um, fantastic game. Basically, a wall down there. Uh, when, they didn't really need it. but <laughs> When Carl attempted that comeback in the third term, he was just mm. everywhere, it seemed. Um, yeah, I can't speak almost more highly of against a team that was trying to push. They really were coming back at that point. Mm. Um, he just rallied and was just a, a, pr- a pressuring and spoiling force. Yeah, and the um, the defensive mindset of that back six and some of their midfield were really good and supported him insanely well. Um, so well-deserved uh, defensive effort from that whole team. Uh, they were really switched on. Yeah, I do think that it would be fair to say I think Carlton Rack coached in that game. Like mm. um, There were some really good decisions made by Adelaide all around the ground. <laughs> that just turned the flow of that game. Um, Keys played out of his skin, kept Saad quiet and kicked three goals. I don't know how. It's almost like that exact same thing happened last year. Yeah. I <laughs> Incredible games. Um, my five was to the aforementioned Nick Blakey. Oh, Lizard. Um, I just, five votes for the Lizard. I loved his game. I think it was great when it was on the line. Um, you know, the, around half time, that game was really even. His third quarter was just huge he was dominant um mm. the fact that almost all of his ball was inside defensive 50 yeah. he played a proper marshal of the back line and role. that was like the heat pop, pop. like he had <laughs> a bunch of wing possessions but they weren't really yeah he'd get up there or he'd run up there with it or whatever Ring, yeah and almost none of them were kick outs i think he took one kick out so um the fact that all those touches were earned touches in the back half um brilliant game but obviously we've already touched him with your votes yeah and, and i'm sure we've already touched on the person you're about to mention yeah sam taylor five um with sam taylor um, <laughs> it's just you look at the stats line and obviously importantly they won that game on a bunch of tight defensive efforts at the end uh, harry himmelberg, himmelberg as well. touch on the line was nice. um but when you go 20 disposals 10 spoils nine pressure acts 16 intercept possessions eight marks six intercepts that's an insane game like it insane it was an incredible game of football 
Um, it's funny that to me, I think of that as a, a Jack Watts game now. Yeah. Um, if you kick a goal and then take a mark or touch the ball on the line of defence, that's a Jack Waltz game. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of players yeah, who will be sure. upset I'm by sure There's a lot of players with like a higher calibre than Jack Watts who've done it. But Kudafides is the one that comes to my mind. Yeah, but did he ever get caught texting about tits and swimming? I hope not. <laughs> At the same time, he's talking about Stavlaki. He's Stavlaki and Gorillas. It's the Kuda. Um, that's, a, that's a great ad. I got it. That's... Really something else. Um, my special mentions um, were to Harrison Petty. I thought um, he played really well in Lever's absence. I thought Darcy Moore as a special mention. There was a lot of hype around him. I couldn't get I any have, of my votes I this have week, Darcy Moore as my top honourable mention. Yeah, he was really good, but I, I think that it was really a, a joint act back there. Cause yeah, he, Another person in my well. special mentions is Nathan Murphy, mm-hmm. who, until he got knocked out by Caminiti, was playing really good footy. And then, miraculously, they kicked three goals in. About five minutes after Murphy went off. I'm giving my dishonourable mention to uh, Asava Radical. Oh, he's, I have him here. My last honourable mention was Harris Andrews, but I, yep, I gave yep. the asterisk of it being against North. That's why I didn't even bring him up. an absolute wall again. Um, how do you have six intercept marks in the first term? You go in a half-time with nine intercepts and 14 disposals, and then you just don't touch the ball in the second half. You just don't even... Not one, and, and it's then not had, like the ball wasn't down there. They had three, three, and two goals kicked by their key forwards. Clearly, he was playing on one of them. Mm. Like it was probably Allen, I would say, if you're looking at matchups. He might have been playing. They might have swung him to another one, and then the other one started kicking yeah, goals. Yeah, because I, I know Collo was playing on Darling. Um, it was not from an incredible first half that was always locked in for votes if he played like that whole game. Mm-hmm. To a second half where he's spoiling balls into the goal square and Porter Koning's fumbling to try and touch that ball over the line. And players that is kicking goal by goal up the other end. I was ultimate sad game. Lining him up four votes after the first quarter, and then it was just he he salvaged it. So. <laughs> he really did. Um, I bought... worth persisting with though. Yeah. Oh, look, he he's showing good signs, and until Henry is back, he will probably keep playing. There. Yeah, I'm not being too negative. It's um, just it's just <laughs> that yeah, he needs to really get it to be. Altogether. And, like, obviously it didn't affect, like, the game. They no, didn't lose because of it. However... Half-time. West Coast showed some good signs, especially from the, the younger players, but... We've seen in close if, games where it matters, If it's he been plays a like that in the, fir- in the first half of that game, it's more of a problem, right? Mm. Um, it, uh, people are obviously putting a lot of weighting on teams' form at the moment, um, and I'm finding it very funny. And, and this is all teams that are around that top end, which is including St Kilda, Essendon, Adelaide, my main three of that. Round five last year, mm. Melbourne were unbeaten. Yep. Fremantle was second with a percentage of 140. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne were eighth. Mm. St Kilda were fourth. Mm. Carlton were sixth. Mm. Collingwood were ninth. And Port were last. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Heading into the buys even in round 11, Melbourne had still only lost one game. Mm. Freer were third. St Kilda were fourth. Carlton were fifth. So those two didn't even make finals. Yeah, two out. Collingwood were tenth. At round 11, going into yeah. the buyers. And they made a prelim and missed out on a grand final by one kick. Yeah. Like, I feel like we get so carried away with where sides are or, or how their form is in these first few weeks of the year. And that obviously was a really good win um, on the weekend by Essendon. Um, and it was what they needed to do. They haven't mm. won a game against a really good side for a number of years now, even when they made finals. Um, but you look at, obviously, St Kilda and Frio both beat along early last year. And... Then they kind of dropped off after the season once other coaches figured out what their game plan was. And that that's something teams are susceptible to. And I think the biggest one for St Kilda with me is 
are they going to be able to play that same level of football once they've got all of their stars back? Um, it will be interesting because I feel like the mix works for the youth they've got in at the moment. Players who um, haven't had to play the game plan for a few years either um, that Ross Lyon was really able to just mould um, like as a, as a fresh um, canvas as opposed to those players who've been playing together for a long time as, as well as playing for a long time. It'll be interesting to see how they slot into that mm. game plan and style. That's it. Have you changed your pick for Premier or are you still... I think you were Brisbane and Melbourne were your two um, this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all fully behind Adelaide, man. Um, no, I don't know. I've, I wouldn't be able to tell you even close to who it might be at this point because the only one who looks like holding up form the most over this period has been Sydney, even though they had a bad loss too. Yeah. Um, Sydney and Melbourne probably my top two yeah. still. I think uh, Melbourne, especially if they get Gore back. Um, yeah. Brisbane have dropped off for sure. Um, their forward combination is working against lower sides, but not so much against the the better sides. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Brisbane's season improved from here, but I, I definitely wouldn't be keeping them on. I, I think they're still formidable at home, mm. but I'm not sure where, how I rate them away. And obviously, technically, it was away on the weekend, but it was against North. Um, I think we'll see how they go against good teams away again because obviously they, they lost to the Bulldogs that Eddie had um, where they were thoroughly expected to win. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go from here. It's a, it's a weird one too because you look at the uh, ladder specifically and Richmond being bottom four with a percentage of 92 and Carlton being top four with a percentage of 96 is a weird way to strange. be after that round one draw. I There's <laughs> only a few teams I'm writing off at the moment. Um and it's, I think the, the obvious Hawthorne? ones are... Hawthorne? Writing Hawthorne off? Yeah, I'm writing Hawthorne off. Yes, oh, okay. I think that's probably, Just a few. They've had, they've had two almost 100-point losses. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, Hawthorne, West Coast, GWS and North. You're not writing off Gold Coast? Uh, sorry, and Gold Coast. Okay. Yeah. I think they're the teams that are, for me, in the... I don't think they have, they have the ability to do it. Bucket? Uh, GW, else... GWS are going to snag wins out of nowhere they will. against a bunch of teams. The star power in there mm-hmm. to do it, but I don't think they've got the full round the ground structure to do it. Richmond are so unpredictable. I, I refuse to write them off. I've said that year after year, uh, and you've always made fun of me for it. So they, <laughs> yeah. It's funny though. I think the way um, Richmond fans talk about that Tom Lynch ball that definitely hit the post last year, mm. it's like they made it past. An elimination, an elimination final. Like they didn't even win a final, and it's like they think they were one kick away from a grand final. Mm. Um, and the reminder has to be there that yeah, it's a team that really struggles in finals. Brisbane, um, who then went on after shaking that hoodoo to beat Melbourne the next week. So um, it will be interesting, but yeah, not not really willing to write anyone off at this point. Uh, speaking of Gold Coast, though, I watched that game, and halfway through the last quarter, I realised I'd hardly been looking at the score. I just kind of zoned out mm. because it was terrible quality footy. And moments later, Freo hit the lead when I looked at the scoreboard. And I don't feel like I'm exaggerating when I feel felt like Gold Coast were like six goals in front. There is no way they should have lost that game. They dominated th- two and a half to three quarters of that game and just let the worst ball movement team in the AFL run over them in a quarter mm. and a half of football. That is pretty much unforgivable <laughs> as far as defensive efforts go. I saw a stat, on it was on some footy show, I don't know which one, um, about Gold Coast centre bounce attendances and the fact that Raul Anderson and uh, Miller attend 80% of their uh, centre bounce attendances and that 20% is filled by like 
20 plus other people yeah, there's no real um there's no backup for them so late in games they are it's 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 them or bust yeah it's not like where you see uh, let's use geelong for an example where they'll throw someone into the middle that hasn't been there like if yeah. Dangerfield has been playing forward they can rotate him in if guthrie's been playing half back they'll pull him in Cameron um, you'll even Duncan. see yeah. yeah exactly uh attend the center bounces um and even like Frio put putting Jackson people like stewart and really cameron on the wing so uh, they don't have that option at the moment. Yeah. Um, and there could be a few of their forwards who might be able to do so in future. Um, but it, it is a bit bare there. Bare yeah. there. <laughs> I, I agree. It's interesting to see. But hopefully they can pull it together. I, I do. I like Gold Coast as a franchise. I like Stuart Dew. been a fan of their players. I, I like Stuart Dew. I think he seems like he's got the group together, mm. which is the first time I think we've seen that in Gold Coast mm-hmm. history. Um, we just really need to see them getting some wins because it, it's becoming untenable for you. When, when he left the game early... I think they're making a big deal about that. He didn't leave early. Well, he joked about it. He said that he didn't want to give Frio a clap off before the other team came on. So he was just getting out of the coach's box because hmm. there was a changeover of games. Yeah, and also he was just going down to the rooms. He just had to cross the yeah. field to do it. Right? Um, I, 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 but I did just think, um, how close are we to a, a Gold Coast change of coach again? Because it's becoming a merry-go-round. He's got 18 months to run. I reckon at least minimum let him see out the year. If by the end of the year they're, let's say, bottom four, he's gone. Pushing for eight, maybe he stays for the rest of the next year. Top eight. I'd like to see him get another year. Um, because I, I do think he has that group together. And they lo- losing Rankin was big for them, I think. Um, We've well, seen how good he's been for Adelaide. So. Um, there was a Jobism I missed last week. Oh, um, that was tweeted by um, Lenny Phillips on Twitter, who pretty much only tweets about football. So I'm not surprised he noticed it, um, which was the old saying, the longer the game goes, the bigger they are. The bigger they stay, they don't get any smaller. I love Job. He talks absolute. No- I'd rather him than Dermy any day, because at least I'm going to get absolute nonsense from Job. Yeah, I, f- I feel like uh, this is going to maybe sound mean even. Job is lovable dumb. Mm. Um Dermy has an arrogance to his dumbness. Dermy's got brain damage. Yeah, yeah, he should be part of that lawsuit. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but in in the same way, I think Dermy is kind of wholesome. Yeah, um, it was funny watching him do the Frio game mm. because he was talking about Gold Coast forwards as if they were like the under eights team he coached. Yeah. Oh look, that's a beautiful kicking action. Look how he gets that ball onto his foot, and I was like, <laughs> oh, Dermy. It's it's kind of wholesome, but it's also very frustrating to listen to when I just want the game to be called. Yes. And I hate, I've seen a bunch of people online complain about straightforward calling being boring. It's I'd it's so that. much better. It's exciting. I'd rather that than five minute patches where the game's not called. And I I genuinely complained about this the other day. When Waitman took that mark, they were busy talking mm. about something else. That then they had to cut off the sentence they were talking about to yell Waitman, which means that any time that showed as a highlight ever again, we've got the worst commentary in the world. Thankfully, they can use radio sum it out with radio commentary. But I don't even take BT's calls where he just says the name of players back and forth over just incessant talking. I saw lipa, 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 last lipa, lipa. week. <laughs> Danger, danger, danger. That's so much better. Immediately. Um, I saw the halftime interview from the same game as Brett Kirk's Hearts and Minds intro. Mm. And he was interviewing Travis Boak mm. at halftime. And it was the most out-of-pocket first question. And with last year's best and fairest winner, Travis Boak. Travis, was it your intention to step up as a leader this year? Huh? How do you answer that? Yes. Halftime, walking off the ground... 
Probably knackered. Was it your intention to step up as a leader this year? No, Passes in the about microphone. the game. Brett Kirk's got a weird <laughs> heart and mind. I loved that. I was glad I saw it. Um, poor Travis Boke. Uh, wonder if he ever thinks about that. Uh, Probably not. No. I think he's just thinking about getting a bit of his form back this year. Yeah. No, it's fair. Do you have any topics for this week? No, I've got You've nothing. You've been gazonked again. Yeah, so man. <laughs> probably fair. I've got uh, two who would wins. All right, hit me with your who would wins. I've got unlucky losers edition. Okay. Which was teams that were insanely dominant throughout. Oh, you're going full teams. Didn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This time I am. Um, 2008 Geelong versus 2009 St Kilda. Uh, 2009 St Kilda. I agree. That team yeah. was insane. Uh, yeah, uh, their home and away record that year, and obviously I know Geelong's was good too, but. Uh, something about that 2009 St Kilda team just making the most out of players that should not. If the ball and like, it couldn't happen well. to a nicer person, the ball hadn't <laughs> bounced that way for Stephen Milne. Um, they're a flag-winning team. I think we'd be talking about um, Ross Lyon a little bit differently if that happened. They, they could be a two-time flag-winning team. Mm. They were moments away from being a two-time flag-winning team. Both games. Yeah. The Scarlet Topoke in one game, um, which has got to be a top ten grand final highlight. For oh, me. incredible! Like everything about that, and the learning that um, Chapman had like a fractured collarbone when he wheeled around and kicked that over his shoulder. Like, it's just a lot about that moment mm. that's insane. Um, and then, yeah, the next year, that draw, like, had there been the extra time as there is now, you feel like St Kilda had I all the momentum. So. Um, so I agree with that one. My other one was uh, the, the sent to the Shadow Realm edition, staying on the grand final theme of 2007 Port versus 2019 GWS. Okay, so Port played a better team. Yes, but... GWS had a lot of talent. I feel like it was just stage fright. Yeah. The question is, okay, so assuming it's in a year where they've... Mm, so let's say it's two years removed for Port and one year removed mm. from GWS. I'm probably still... I'm probably going to lean GWS on recency bias, but I shouldn't because hard, Port... I, I feel like they both played their grand final in the prelim. I feel like mm. they both had that same problem. Sydney mm. kind of had it this year. They played that thriller against Collingwood, yeah. won by a point, and probably were just emotionally drained as much as mm. physically drained the next week. Um, but I think it's GWS. I think on talent alone, that GWS team, I feel like a week before in the prelim, they would have beaten Richmond. It's just grand final Richmond yeah. are good at, and GWS had massive stage fright. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm leaning GWS. I think there's a bit of recency bias and... Obviously, Jeremy be. Cameron wasn't quite as good um, then as he is yeah. now, but uh, yeah, I think they can get Wait, that. Wakelin on Cameron and Treadray on, uh, I guess, Haynes. Treadray, you're back. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, but uh, I think I'm going GWS. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's my, that's my who would wins. Yeah, I don't have a lot this week. Apologies, because I have been pretty zonked, but... Uh, don't drink five litres of green cordial and eat seven Domino's pizzas. Um, you you're will feel you're burying the lead that that green cordial had alcohol in it. Yeah, it did a little. Um, a lot. <laughs> no, um, terrible time. Um, so I don't really have oh, a lot extra. You got anything? West Coast waffle team suffering ah. the most incredible defeats I've ever seen. Um, there were a few games in the waffle this week that were weird. So you had... Perth kicked one goal for a whole game in perfect conditions in Mandra. <laughs> um, but yeah, West Coast letting a team kick more than 200 and just 100 in each half as well. It wasn't like there was a 
a flow oh, one way or the other. One goal six. Um, I, I can't even fathom how West Coast's waffle team could be that bad. That, that's a real issue. And this week they've put in a request to have their game delayed until they can get some players back and fitness back. And the waffle has declined it. So their AFL team has so many injuries now that their waffle team can't cover it. Watch them Watch them win next week against East Rio. Oh, yeah. It'd be the exact same kind of game East Rio lose. They've got Johnny Marsh back this week, though, which is a, mm. a pretty big help. Um, Jed Hagen has been playing... I feel like he went to the wrong team. So he... I thought he'd get drafted last year. Mm. Uh, I thought he'd be the kind of person Essendon would really need, but then they got Tick Moody back, and that was the whole yeah. I thought it would feel. Um, he is playing for Port Adelaide in the Sandfall, who have lost all three games and have only kicked 10 goals in each game. Uh, which is not a great place to be if you're a goal sneak, uh, you know, a low-scoring, struggling Sandful team. I thought it was a smart move. Uh, you know, Sandful small forwards seem to be getting picked up mm. pretty much every year, and I thought it's a place you want to be. But um, no, he has kicked, I think, one goal in the three games, and that Port team's struggling. So it's interesting to see because um, they're usually so strong um, in Sandful, or at least strong enough with with their representative from AFL level. Um, and they're, they're having a mare, so... Yeah, he kicked one of their six goals in round one. Yeah, one of six. And that, that's a, you know... If you told him he was going to kick a sixth of their goals every week, he probably would have been stoked. But <laughs> I think he was expecting them to score more than six goals. Um, but he'll be an interesting one. I, I don't know if anyone needs a small forward in the mid-season draft this year. I guess we'll, uh, there's still time. Uh, but Yeah, I saw someone on the Eagles board talking about potentially picking up uh, Schumacher, who's been playing well in the the Waffle. Um, And I really liked him when he was on Carlton's list. He only got one game, and I was always disappointed that he didn't get more. So I'd love to see him get picked up. Um, Every time I see Tobe Watson playing, I'm still amazed that he's not on an AFL list. He's a class above... um, He's got a real name for footy, doesn't he, Toby Watson? Does, Toby Watson, (laughs) Toby Watson, however you want to say it. He stands out, too, with that red hair, too. Especially now he wears black and white. The the ginger really pops out. Um, I did see the AFL change their rules around... Yeah, I read it and then went, no, this doesn't make sense to me. Well, they just have to submit that a player is no longer an active footballer, so they can't be picked up or, you know, rejoin the list mid-season to reopen that spot on their list. It was just after, obviously, a lot of teams have had players retire mid-season. So it's basically so that you can't have a player retire the week of the mid-season draft. Uh, to free up that spot. Like, there's got to be a player who's actually a missing spot from that list who hasn't made that decision to free up that spot. It's an actual genuine hole in the list. Um, so I'm, it, it's, it's seems, two... Seems very easy to abuse still. It's but... a combination of two... The first knee-jerk reaction was when Hawthorne walked Jai Newcomb mm-hmm. to the mid-season draft because that he wanted more money. And then they made it so that only AFL players who are formally listed can ask for a certain contract and players who've never been on the AFL list only get the rookie-level contract. Um, and now they've made it based on um, last year when um, who was it retired for uh, Richmond it's a great question isn't it whoever it was retired for Richmond and that left them the spot oh it was, no it was a few years ago and they picked up Marlene Pickett um, so basically they're finally Sean Greig yeah Greig retired and they picked up Marlene Pickett they're finally covering that it's really funny because my instinct was to say Sean Greig yeah <laughs> it was a few years ago uh, but they're finally covering that hole in there um, yep. I think it's just something that they bought in. It's, I don't think it's a bad idea. I like the mid-season draft as a concept, but uh, unlike the AFL to rush things. Uh... <laughs> Actually, I, will, I guess I'll briefly talk about this then. Uh, your favourite, Hutchie. Oh, yeah. Um, basically said on 
What's their show? Is it just called The Footy Show? Yeah, The Footy Show. The Sunday Footy Show? Sunday footy no, show. what are they? Channel 9, it's The Sunday Footy Show. Yeah. Either way. Um, he was talking about uh, that they should just scrap um, basically list sizes, essentially. And if you're in the bottom half of the ladder, you should just be able to walk anyone from the street into your club uh, to fix holes did, in the list. I did see that. Uh, list planning is an important part of football. Um, he basically argued that Hawthorne are doing terribly. They should be able to pick up experienced players. Archie, why do you think Hawthorne are doing terribly right now? What did they, they do in the that... last two off-seasons that might have caused this? It's did they um... let go their experienced players? Did they trade them out to bring in youth? <laughs> I've seen a bit of sentiment around that. Um, started by Collingwood supporters about having no ruck. Yeah. They're like, well, why can't we just pick a ruck from the VFL? Well, because you don't have enough rucks on your list. You mm. traded one to Hawthorne, mm. and now he's not getting a game there either. But like, you, you got rid of your ruck, your mm. backup ruck. Now you don't have one. Yeah. Um, they Crazy also what do, happens they when also you trade out two rucks. They do have a backup ruck, and mm. they don't want to play him because he's not good enough. Project player. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting. I, play him if it's. Yeah, I I agree. Um, the other one with Hachi is the fact that he's just winning the both sides is a war of. So you've got uh, Mitch Robinson. Throwing fire at mm. Kane Corns and Kane Corns. They both work for SEN. It's just all... It's, it's all one... It's all clickbait. Like, it's... I don't, it's so frustrating. Um, you know, we'll have an issue come up, which is effectively... Um, we need to talk less about this. Like, a coach comes out and says, we need to talk less about this as an institution because it's not good for the game. And then the next week, your article is being like, I agree, we should talk less. But, but, but that's just a different way of mm. talking about it. And like, I've seen more articles about the same topic that everyone's agreeing not to talk about this week than I saw the week before. Yeah, and I think it's it's a tough one because it's easy to... Obviously, the big talking point is Jason Horn francis um, I think there's there's a uh, an area where you can do it. You can point out his inconsistency and his lack of drive. Um Booing him is weird if you're mm. not even a fan of North. Yeah, um, and and I think the whole hashtag ice bath thing is really a joke at this point. Um, it's fueling the fire, and, and this yeah. is from a bloke who's now complaining about the treatment of Jason Horn Francis, who put a target on Walsh's back, who put mm-hmm. a target on Dacos's back, who is now putting a target on Sheasel's back. Mm. He spent years going after young players from other clubs. And now that it's a young South Australian player, mm-hmm. who he successfully lit a media fire that caused him to go back to port, mm-hmm. which is, seems like corruption of some kind. Yeah. Um, now he's trying to defend this player and protect him in the media every week. Like 12 months ago, Jason Horn francis was a joke to uh, Kane Corns. Yes, and then, uh, but that lowered his trade price and got him back to port and made him not want to stay in Melbourne because the whole Melbourne media was out yeah. to get him. And now that he is playing for port... Now he's a precious little golden child. And yeah. look, I loved what Ken Hindley did on the weekend. Um, and I none, know that none of, of this is us having behind. a go at Jason Horn francis This is not his fault. No. And also, I love what Ken Hindley did. Um, I know that stuff happens behind closed doors all the time. Yeah. It reminded me of... Um, Brad Alton's like first six months at Geelong when Mark Thompson like in the press conference was like all of you like just leave him alone like this is mm. not what sport's about mm. and I loved that from Ken Hinckley came out in the press conference after and said the same thing Horn Francis' final quarter was brilliant yep. they wouldn't have won that game without him um, and I, I hope we see more of that in the future because we know what talent he's got Yeah, but if we keep the media spotlight on him if specifically <laughs> SEN keeps the media spotlight on him as much as they can He's not going to reach that talent because you don't. You're not going to. No one thrives in that environment. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if at some like there was a a turning point if this continues where he just quit the game at like yeah, 23, we, 24. You look at Jack Watts. Like he had a 
like started that season with Port in career best form. I mean, um, snapped just... his leg, and then in the few months he couldn't play because he had a snapped leg. He went, I hate like being yeah. in that spotlight, and just never came back. And you can't blame players. Like it's, I know it's a, obviously a, a good income if you can earn it, but like for the ones who get that extra spotlight, it just can't be worth it for your mental health. Um, no, I mean, Castagna as well from Richmond. Yeah. The fans, oh, the way they treated him. Demoralised. I always think of Tom Swift as well. That's one of the yep. worst Swift's, ones. Swift's another great example. I've never seen a, I'm, a I'm glad that he's got a successful before. career now. I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, so it's just a constant cycle. And Whipping Boys are such a huge bugbear of mine. Like, mm. I, One, the fact that these fans who've probably not played football since they were 13 years old seem to think they know more than professional mm. AFL coaches and list managers and the other is that like it's not their fault they get selected like they don't they're not the selectors mm. they're just trying to play football and if they get selected they can try and do their best job but like yep. that's not on them um, it's the same as the if you're the first draft pick like you don't pick yourself you just had a really good junior year and that made them think you were the best fit like oh, and I was livid on the weekend after the Carlton game uh, when Lockie Plowman was one of the very few defenders in that team who actually gave a red-hot crack the entire game. He's got his limitations online, absolutely roasting him to the to the nines. And it's yeah, it's I, kind of, it's fucked up. <laughs> there's, a, there's a level of like, <laughs> the, the irony when fans always say they'd rather see their team have a go and make a mess of it than play cold, boring, defensive footy, and then the moment they do, or if just one player mm. does like Plowman did, which is what he was doing. Like, mm. he was trying to play as attacking as possible to bring that game back. And yeah, sure, had a fair few clangers, but like, at least he was giving it a red-hot go. Yeah. And I'd rather see my team do that every day of the week than play a boring loss. Yeah. Because they could have kept that to a three-goal loss. Really? Uh, but what would what would the point of that been? Mm. You know? It fell apart in the last. They kicked those first two goals, and everyone thought it was on. And obviously, Adelaide were good enough to wrestle that back, but... I'd rather do that than... Yeah, go out in flames rather than go out boring. Uh, always. That's yeah. <laughs> better football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see... And that's why you'll see some of the best teams cop reasonably big losses in their, you know, premiership years or the year before it because they're, they're playing that kind of football that is to try and win at all costs. Um, that's how you should be. You should be trying to win. Yeah. You shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be hawthorning it. <laughs> anyway, uh, here we are, five rounds in. St Kilda is on top of the ladder. Essendon is in the top four. Everything's normal in the top four with a premiership prof- profile. Yeah, attacking defence. Melbourne, uh, <laughs> Richmond's bottom four, Geelong's eleventh. Everyone, this is all, what we all thought was going to happen this year. It's Everything's just, fine. It's just a classic round five moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure things will balance out a bit more before the buy. The buy is when I like to measure a season buy. Obviously, we had a lot of changes last year after the buy, but I think it's a time where teams are actually finding some stock and momentum. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's round 11 again this year or 12 with the gather round. Uh, I think it's 11 through 14. It's yeah, across Geelong and Gold four Coast rounds. Have, are by the only two teams in one week. Weird. I don't understand it, but hey, Gil's the mastermind. Oh, yeah, and he's still the CEO, even though he retired a year ago. Um, <laughs> thanks wow. for joining us once again. We will see you next week to talk about football that was played in a state that was not South Australia and some football that was played in South Australia. Mm. This has been The Back Pocket. You'll find us at the Back Pocket AU on pretty much anywhere. Or just Google the Back Pocket Podcast and we normally show up. Um, thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm retiring. I won't see you next week. <laughs>